Hi everyone and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. In each episode, we invite guests to have honest conversations about their mental health journeys with the goal of destigmatizing mental health within the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Due to the nature of the podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of mental health topics and possibly triggering experiences. While we and the majority of our guests are not trained professionals, we encourage you to practice self-care while listening and seek professional guidance if you or a loved one is in need of support. With that said, let's start the episode. Hi, my name is Philip, uh, and I would describe my mental health journey as uh, forever in progress. Hello and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. I am your host, Matthew Yonamura. Welcome to the first episode of the new year that was actually recorded this year. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, you could probably see the little pimple patch on my chin, but hey, we, we roll with the punches. So we're really excited for the episodes that we have that we have already recorded we have a few in the pipeline and they're really great guests really great topics and for the folks who have been involved with little tokyo and the news of little tokyo in the recent few months you're probably aware of some of the things that we discuss but it's really nice to sit down and talk with people who are in the community and who are in little tokyo day in and day out as you know, Little Tokyo is going through some changes, but everyone's fighting to keep the Little Tokyo that we know. And you know, we talk we talk about it in this episode, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it too much more in this introduction. But this episode is a really special guest. Uh, him and his family have been part of Little Tokyo for I don't even know how many years, but for decades. He is one of the owners of Aze in Little Tokyo, and he's inheriting the ownership of Onzen Hardware. We discussed this in the interview, but without further ado, here is our guest, Philip Hirose. Philip, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, we originally were wanting to use Aze as the location with Mariko, but now we roped you in. <laughs> thank you for being roped in. Um, and it really goes into so much of what I've been seeing around Little Tokyo lately. And what everyone is seeing around Little Tokyo and why I think it's so important to hear from you know, the small business owners such as yourself. But we're, we're going to get into all of that, but I'm just really grateful to hear from you who's here day in, day out and seeing what's happening. But going way back before then, not way back, you're not that old. <laughs> I feel that way, yeah. <laughs> but um, going back to where it all started, let's kind of just start with why you described your mental health journey as forever in progress and start from there. Uh. I feel like I describe it as such because nothing is stagnant. Uh, I feel like we're always learning. Um, and I grew up spending a lot of time down the street at Nishihonganji. One of the pillars of Jodo Shinchi Buddhism is impermanence. And so um, I'm always, I think it allows me to learn, uh, understand that making mistakes is, is part of what it is to be human and um, it is a journey. And so, um, yeah, I, I, 
I'm constantly learning and, and yeah, I'm always excited to learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. I think, you know, we, we hear variations of the answer of it's being a journey or it being, you know, ups and downs, there's hills, it's a roller coaster. And I think it's such a universal experience, but to hear how it plays a role in different individuals' mental health story is the really cool part about it. Um, so for you, when would you say your mental health journey began? And I guess when you were aware that it was actually mental health, because I think for some people it's like, I could say it started when I was in kindergarten, but I didn't know it was called that. Right. So for you, when were you like conscious of, oh, this is a mental health journey? Right. Uh, I think it started when I was in my 20s, uh, which indicates that I am no longer in my 20s. <laughs> um, it was really when I felt like I was working a lot and I started questioning what is what is everything that we do? What is it for? Um, because I think that there was a moment when it started to become so mentally taxing. Uh, the work and and trying to figure out this thing called life. Um, I feel like that it that was the awakening, uh, right? It's it's. I feel like I'm borrowing a lot of things from Joe Shinchu and that there's the there's the truth in that it is something that we have lived with for our whole lives, just like what it, our identity, um, but the awakening in terms of my relationship with mental health started in my 20s. So I think that's, that's unique because, you know, I think a lot of people, and I've had this conversation here before, but how like mental health and religion or morals play a factor in one another. Um, and it sounds like for you it was kind of hand in hand at least, like you took pieces from religion and how that played a role in mental health. I guess like how through the ups and downs, what kept you balanced or how did you, or what, how, in what ways did you seek out like, this is a mental health journey, now what do I do with this? I I don't have a concrete answer. Sorry, I, I know that you you provide some um, questions, uh, but I think and I think this is also me uh, constantly reflecting in real time, and that a lot of it had to do with the community that I was in. Um, the people I surround myself with, uh, and and everyone that I that I leaned upon, um, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, speaking of community, you know, you and your family have been around Little Tokyo since forever, right? Like, um, you mentioned um, being a part of the community already, but you know, what does Little Tokyo? as a community, as a place, mean to you? It's, to me, it's a place where people, it's, it's a space uh, where people can, uh, you know, continue generation, multiple generation long relationships, start new ones that will become multiple generation long relationships or friendships. Uh, it's a place where people can learn about themselves, learn about others, um, 
this is a little Tokyo one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a place where people can, yeah, go through a lot of self-discovery. Um, and for me, it's, it is very different. I feel like it's very different from a community that I thought of when I was in my, when I was in my 20s. Um, and the one that I grew up in as well. Uh, back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think just being able to be in community with everyone uh, and, and experience it is, is really powerful and beautiful. Yeah. I think, um, what, what gen are you? What generation are you? So I am second generation on my father's side, okay. and then fourth generation on my mom's side. Got it. So I think, I think it partly has to do with the generational thing, but I think being a young man or a young person growing up, um, and I mean for me it was the early two, like two thousands, the nineties, or any age range up until like recently. I think like the twenty tens and later. I feel like some people grappled with identity as J.A. Were you, were you always proud of the roots of J.A. or was it kind of like, you know, you kind of wanted to fit in if you didn't go to a primarily Japanese school or Asian school, like, have you always been comfortable in the identity as an Asian American? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Gr uh, growing up in the 90s, I think it was tough uh, being an Asian American. Uh, identifying male uh, because the like Asian American men were um, were not we in, in this in this world of whatever masculinity is because it's it could be defined uh, multiple ways uh, we were on the bottom of the totem pole in um, the social ladder at high school and middle school and I think those that time in a person's life can be so tough, especially at school. Um, yeah, but I think that as I spent more time uh, with people in Little Tokyo, um, I was able to build that confidence. And I'm, uh, yeah, just forever, forever grateful for those people. And um, yeah, we are, you know, we are a product of the causes and conditions that came before us. The millions of decisions, even the decisions that are outside of our own uh, um, agency, we are a product of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, what uh, what area did you go to school in? Oh yeah, so I I grew up in Los Feliz, okay. uh, which is now very trendy. Los Feliz, Silver Lake Echo Park, very trendy now. Yeah. But I remember growing up and being like, I want to go to school in Monterey Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go to like Sure Keppel because a lot of friends that I had at Nishi went there and I was one of two Japanese Americans at the school I went to. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of like Korean um, nationals, a lot of Armenians, uh, but yeah, one of two to Japanese Americans and or Nikkei and it just so happened that our names were almost identical so there were a lot of like jokes and a lot of uh, um, 
a lot of that, but I I also made some lifelong friends there yeah. as I became more comfortable with my identity or just um, yeah trying to navigate the harshness of the world that can exist in a cafeteria room. Yeah. yeah. Um, I my school was definitely more. Japanese, like a higher Japanese percentage than what you had. But I remember for me, because I, I went to school in Redondo Beach, and I had a lot of good AAPI friends. But I remember like a couple of times throughout high school just being like, I really wish I went to like North Torrance because that's where all my FOR friends were. Like, right. like, like I was like, throughout elementary, middle school, and high school, I'm like, how do I describe Asian basketball leagues? Because right. at that time, I was kind of like, up until high school, I was like, why are why is it only AAPI basketball? Right, right. I was like I didn't get it at, until high school. Right. So I was like I, don't, I I just started calling it club basketball, you right, know. Right. But um, yeah, I, I again like I it was good for me to like kind of know like other people because you know like I actually just saw a TikTok the other day of like a little Chinese girl like in China not knowing about like like black people, African-Americans, and like not understanding the skin tone difference. So I mean, that's, that's totally different um, from us like yeah. here. Like of course you run into people of all different, of all different looks and sizes, but it's just like, I'm grateful like interacted with people that weren't all JA, you know? Right. Um, but circling back, that was kind of no. a tangent. <laughs> no, it, provi it provides great perspective. And we're not all the same person, right. even if, even, we are very different from our siblings, or yeah. we can be very different, and that it could be a matter of like one and a half years. Yeah. But I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um. So, I guess like as you were navigating this time, how did you? Were you always really involved with Little Tokyo, or did you find yourself like maybe in your twenties, kind of finding more pride in your your roots here, or like how how did the progression go of your involvement in Little Tokyo? So I, I think because of my mom working in, in Little Tokyo for 35 years, uh, up until late last year, um, she just changed offices, but yeah, she was there. My grandfather had a hardware store here, which is now ours. <laughs> um, I just spent a lot of time at Nishi, uh, you know, for scouts. Uh, Sunday school, and then there was like Kumon, and then I didn't know they did Kumon there. Oh no, well, the Kumon was at uh, Zenchuji. Okay. Yeah, and then it moved to Marinal, and this is when all those developments were uh, blacktop uh, park parking lots. Mm. Um, yeah, I, just to give context, that I, I felt like I spent a good amount of time in Little Tokyo growing up. Um, without understanding anything, it was just like being with friends, yeah. um, dreading Boy Scout inspection, or just like trying to make it two scouts through the Dodger traffic. Um, but I, I think that my the identity or understanding of, of all these layers uh, really came into play when when I was. I don't know. I I spent a lot of time. Well, I also went to a summer camp mm -hmm. that was part of BCA. So that was the Buddhist Churches of America. So that includes like Nishi, uh, Pasadena, Venice, but also like Higashi. 
made a lot of friends there. Um, also played basketball against people like Ryan. Okay. Um, <laughs> which was so exciting when he when he took the position as director of yeah. Budokan because I think that's where that's where everything started to um, really. Uh, I don't know. It's come into play or like everything kind of full circle almost. yeah full full circle and or it just yeah it just made sense and it there's a level of comfort and I was like what matters most is the relationships yeah. right um, it's not it's not even oh well my mom knew his dad growing up but even just within our lifetimes I think it's 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 like we saw each other the previous day whenever we see each other um, but then that formulation I think really came as I got invo involved with the youth uh, through summer camp um, through the ages of like 7 to 13 you know we get to see I, I got a lot I got to see a lot of myself and the quiet kids uh, the siblings um, and then watching them grow and then from there, seeing them get involved with programs at Kizuna, especially the high school programs, where they really get to talk about identity, community, for the first time. Yeah. Like, how incredible is it for to see the blank stares of high school students being like, what are you talking about? And it's like, <laughs> you've been sitting in it this whole time, right? Um, sorry, I totally forgot the question, but I feel like that's, that's my relationship with Little Tokyo my identity community and um, yeah, where it is now. So you, it's, it's been a pretty natural progression of your involvement without even maybe forcing it. It sounds like it was a very natural in so, yeah. community for you. Yeah. Um, so just for, I, I taped like a separate intro where I try to give your full resume, but <laughs> like how are you currently involved with Little Tokyo? Like what other yeah, like including where we're sitting now, but like yeah, your involvement with Little Tokyo today. Yeah, so my involvement uh, primarily is with a family restaurant um, named Aze. Uh, we're just four and a half years old, and involvement also includes my mom and I taking on my grandfather's seventy-seven-year hardware store uh, that we hope to open in the near future. We're not promising any days. <laughs> That's where it's. That's where it's at. Um, also involved with uh, J Town Action with the mutual aid work. I wanted always wanted to see how we can address like food food insecurity and show any form of solidarity uh, with people who are um, lacking the access to things like yeah food. You know, at the time PPE, clothes. Um, and then also involved with like Nikkei Progressives uh, with their Arts and Culture Committee. And aside from all the committees, it's just like spending time with people, yeah. having fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, because and I think like that last point of like just kind of connecting with people and, you know, having conversations, it's like I may not be part of Nikkei Progressives or J-Town Action, but it's like through knowing so many people in the community, it's like I'm able to stay involved somehow and know like what's going on. Like I might not be an official member, but it's like of course we're, everyone's supporting one another and 
the efforts going on here because I think pretty much the residents and like the people who have grown up or care about preserving Little Tokyo are pretty much mostly on the same page for the mm-hmm. most part. So right. like through knowing one another, those right. conversations, you're kind of able to support right. like these causes. Um, right. So, you know, you mentioned the 77 year hardware store mm-hmm. and opening a 77 year hardware store. Like what, right. like, could you walk through for anyone who doesn't know why you would need to open a 77 year old hardware store? <laughs> right. Uh, why? That's a great question. We don't, I mean, I think that I think that's it's such a great question because, and it may sound crude, but I feel like the answer is that we don't have to. I think that, yeah, it, I mean, it sounds so harsh. We don't have to, but we want to, right? Um, because I, I think that it's it's just, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I know that. When people learned about the news, there was uh, elements of celebration, but I was totally dreading it <laughs> because because um, the restaurant in itself is so much. Uh, there's so much that I still want to do here with uh, the family and my and the staff. Um, yeah, and I, I I tell people it's like not that I not that I have children or remotely know, but just based off of observation. I see it as like you're treading water with a baby and someone just gives you another baby. (laughs) And so it's, yeah, it's, um, but we want to give it a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, we, the the hardware store means so much to my mom, especially. And, and yeah, it's like what, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to, Reimagine what a hardware store could be. Reimagine um, its relationship to Little Tokyo would be because uh, it will be very. I mean, natural by nature, it's it will be different than how Nori ran it by my grandfather. Um, so yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. It's scary, mm-hmm. um, but we we want to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. For for Onzen, you know, um, if you don't mind sharing, like what was what was that process like of how how did everything progress and how did you guys kind of try to stay level headed and proceeding from step after step? And then I want to get back to the restaurant, but no, no, you yeah, other yeah. Baby. I want to hear about this other <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> yeah, there are no favorites between the babies. <laughs> yeah, uh, it. To be honest, I was actually fine with not continuing it um, because it, we could always bring it back. I don't. I think in the same spirit that nothing is is permanent, something can take a break, um, and yeah. At first, I was okay. I had a. I had some good friends who had a group of friends that was going to take it on. Um, also, another person of community, both of community, uh, that was also interested. I think both of them would have been great. Um, but but at the end, Nodi walked over uh, and and wanted to sell the shop to my mom and I, um, and we kind of didn't take no for an answer to ourselves. Uh, 
we knew it was kind of like we knew that it was it was our sense of duty and stepping up to it. Um, yeah, and, and I think with that spirit, we want to, yeah, just have fun with it and um, and just try to figure it out, mm-hmm. like like whatever this thing in life is. Um, I've, I've, I'm going to come back to it, but I want to yeah. kind of bring in the other child into the picture with Aze. Could you walk me through like the toll of opening a restaurant? Because I think, mm-hmm. in my mind, and for a lot of people, mm-hmm. we picture the bear, the show on Hulu, right? right? <laughs> right. It's like high octane at all times. Right. Everyone's gonna hate each other. In the right. End. <laughs> right. But like, can you walk me through it from your perspective and your experience? Right. Like, what is it like to open a restaurant in Little Tokyo, and what was the toll of the ups and downs of that? I, I am 100% biased. I will, I will start off with, with that. And, and that I'm a product of, you know, my experiences and my family and, um, and the restaurant. Um, I am, I, I think the restaurant is, is an incredible place. Uh, it's, it's a place where we have people who are complex individuals working here. Um, you have immigrants, you have people who, you know, are passionate about taking care of others, hospitality, um, creative expression with the, with the culinary arts part of it. Um, I think there's just so many layers and for a lot of restaurants, you don't even get to see it. You know, we're, we are so focused. I think social media only has this focus on what's on the plate. But I think if you see the people working there, it, it adds so much um, understanding of, of where you're at. So in a little Tokyo restaurant, you're going to have a lot of people who are not Asian American because we're in Los Angeles, yeah. right? Um, and I think that there's so much beauty to it and um, the, there, the toll is, is quite insane, uh, because it is a mixture. I think it's a, it's a mixture of labor and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I see how my dad, myself, and I see other chefs struggle. Not, not that I'm a chef, but <laughs> a lot of people who are like, I think in the grind struggle with how do you, how do you leave anything in the tank to be creative when you are in the grind, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that that grind exists because of capitalism, and it's because uh, they're yeah, it, it they don't have the privilege I think to, or a lot of them don't have the privilege to allocate that time to be creative. So um, that's just the physical toll, and then yeah, it connects to the mental toll of. I think uh, trying to meet the expectations of all the people who write bad reviews on Yelp. <laughs> um, trying to, yeah, with that, there's a power imbalance. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is wild. I will say it's wild. But there's also so much beauty into it. And we, I think with the restaurant, we try to communicate 
those layers to have people understand that our prices are fair. Um, yeah, and, and with that, we are we're very fortunate to have very patient and supportive uh, people who come through. I, um, you know, we're allowed to have bad days as well, yeah. as I tell our staff. Like, you know, I, I know people expect you to have like a smiley face, but sometimes just like, that's okay if you don't. You know, you could be kind, but you don't have to be like overly kind or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, trying to navigate that, trying to also push back against those those harmful norms, but yeah. So as a business owner mm-hmm. and the norms of capitalism, because mm-hmm. you know you do have to run a business, right. but at the same time, right. the the stressors of what is known to be good business practice within capitalism, the grind. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you try to find that balance of like business owner, human being? Right, yeah. <laughs> I think if you look at someone like a Jeff Bezos, right, like, right. There's just business owner. <laughs> right. No, yeah. There's no human beings. Yeah. It, well and they're being replaced by like by automated yeah. intelligence like robots. You know, like that's so AI is very anti labor. Yeah. And I I'm against that. Um, I I try to find that balance with addressing uh, wage inequality. So our highest earning person here, uh, that is my father, this actually does not make that much more than the lowest paid, like per hour. Um, granted, like if one person works one hour a week, they're by they by. Do- by default, we'll be making less than somebody who works more hours. But um, that is that is one way we try to do that here, um, especially with the tips. Because historically, I mean, historically, tips is racist. Um, but for here, uh, I have a fear of that if we abolish tips completely, people actually won't come. If we include it into the price, people will have the sticker shock and then won't come at all. Yeah. And there's there's evidence of that actually happening. Um, so yeah, we try to address wait, uh, the the tipping so back of the house makes equally as much as the front of the house. When historically, and places, there are a lot of places that still do, the front makes significantly more than the back. Um, yeah, you know, like we, have no desire to expand. Um, like one place is enough. Um, one place is enough. Breaking even is like actually, I in the ideological sense that would be that's the goal, right? We all like have access to like good food, a a, a car if we choose um, that works. Like nobody's living lavishly or like uh, beyond their means. Um, so that's how we try to like navigate capitalism with the understanding that we do live in a capitalistic society. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild and it's painful because it, it also strips us, I think from it, or it has this like question our actions, right? Uh, when we feel that financial pulse. Right. Yeah. 
for for listeners, I wasn't prepared to ask Philip about capitalism and like <laughs> attack funny. him. It no. was because you brought it up. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it because I think I, I I think it's something that people don't feel comfortable talking about, especially restaurants or small business owners. Um, but it's it's healthy to talk about it and to like learn from each other and hear from each other and what you know what we think about it and stuff so yeah it's it is it is really within all of us yeah right so we were talking about the top earner your father who's who's off out of frame but <laughs> right, right. in the building with us right um what's it like to work with your family you know like if you guys have a fight in the restaurant how do you keep it in the restaurant and not out in family life or vice versa or just how do you how what is it like to work with family right uh, it, is, it is a blessing and a curse. Um, not so much a curse, maybe. That's hard. A curse sounds harsh. Uh, it's, it's a blessing. Um, we get to spend time with one another. We get to learn about all of this with one another. Uh, learn about why we have things like all gender bathrooms from day one. Even if they don't understand it immediately, I think they catch on or like, um, <laughs> yeah, as, as, as my dad, you know, his, his abilities are declining. So like, how do we, a, a restaurant could be a very discriminatory place when it comes to abilities and age. So how can we create a place that is gentle with, um, with those realities, you know, and how can people age gracefully and, and lean on each other um, and work together? Because uh, I feel like it could be so harsh and unforgiving. So, um, yeah, there's, can't see uh, so well, especially with the small print. So, like, our menus are printed larger. <laughs> And our music is not so loud. Um, our seats are a little wider, <laughs> and and it's to really create a place where it's like all inclusive. So that's when I think of family. It's not just my parents, but it's like my parents and their friends. Um, it's our staff and their family, or it's 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 really everybody. Um, yeah, I just I, I, it's been. Funny because we've mentioned him a couple of times, but he hasn't looked over. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, they're just talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, he's like, what's a podcast? <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can yeah. show him how to listen to it at another oh, time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think you know, part of you know the mention of Anzen and you know there, there's that side of how Little Tokyo has changed, um, which I think as of late. The, the, the closures or moving of, of businesses has been the most uh, daunting change. Um, of course, there's some of the nice changes of the recent years, like opening Aze, or um, I'm trying to think of what other ones have opened. <laughs> kind of, uh, Not too many, yeah. but oh, Yobase opened. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so but there are openings. Yeah, yeah. There, there have been a few more like cultural small businesses open, but there have been a lot, a lot more so on the onzen side that have been closing down. So 
with all this in mind, how, how have you seen Little Tokyo change since your childhood growing up here? Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say I've seen it change starting with the, the housing, because uh, I remember those black top parking lots. Um, yeah, more recently, uh, seeing a lot of a lot of the uh, rest the, the small family business restaurants close has been extremely tough. Um, I mean, seeing the two Starbucks close was not tough at all. It's quite nice. I mean, it's like one of the goals was how do we. Yeah, how do we discourage them from being here? And, and yeah, um, but I, I think there is also the way I think of it is like, what are the terms, or why are they closing? If they're closing to retire, I fully support that. Um, people, the people who have decided to retire. Uh, deserve it so much and I think that um, it is bittersweet uh, but there should also be celebration for them to get that rest um, but in other cases when they're when they're evicted or um, if they're pushed out that is that is that is tragic um, and I think it, it is very representative of of that impermanence and that um, and it goes against people saying that because I know people say that Little Tokyo will always be there and I more recently have been saying that it's it isn't going to be um, yeah because you know change always happens and and these closures do happen suddenly, and yeah, it's there's just so much to just the closure. It's like how the business owner uh, decides to do that. Uh, you know, culturally, some people don't want to make any noise, so they just they announce their closure the day after they close, and people are like devastated. Um, or people would announce it and and. Uh, go through that process together as a community. Um, so it's tough and I, and I think there's there really is no playbook for people to truly follow. It's like they just try and decide if they have that decision to go through with, what, with whatever they can. Um, but it is tough. It's like I see Little Tokyo as a unit, as like a unit of people. And when we see, for these shops, when we see it close one by one, then it's, it, 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 you kind of question the strength of it. Um, but yeah, and, and also try to find motivation out of that, I think, right? yeah. if we're competitive. If we, if we played on good Asian League basketball games, teams. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, I do think it's a good point, though, to say, I don't think it's a given to say that Little Tokyo is always going to be here, because it's not a given. Right. But it, as you just mentioned, like, you could take that and make it kind of a competition, or you, you don't just, it's not necessarily rolling over and letting it happen, but right. 
what ways can we preserve it? Or like, it's, if it's not a given, what should we or what can we do about that? Um, I feel like, you know, you guys are kind of the newer kids on the block with Aze. I know you've been in Little Tokyo for so long, like as a family, but is it, it, you mentioned the pressure of, you know, Yelp reviews, but is there a pressure for you as, you know, I think Ryan Lee at Budokan would fit in this category too of, you know, the younger, newer generation where the passing of the torch, it could be seen as the passing of the torch kind of beginning to happen. Do you feel a pressure where it's like, where you feel like you have to shoulder anything of Little Tokyo being preserved or do you not look at it that way? I think there's some pressure. Um, I see, I guess rather than just the passing of the torch, I see it as, as us being included. Um, because I think for the Sansei, or for the the generation that's older than us, because right, the generations are very different based on when they immigrated. Right. Um, I think sometimes they think that the passing of the torch means that they become irrelevant. Mm. And what do I want to tell them, or what I try to do here is that is is tell them or you know show them that like no, you're more than welcome to be here, yeah. right? More than welcome to be a part, part of the process. We just want to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're not trying to push you out. We just want to, like, you know, how do we um, be more inclusive in that sense? Because I, I do see a sense of fear of of, of the previous generation losing um, maybe some of that power. That power is so gross, but like power, authority, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how do we? Yeah, how do we become more inclusive? How do we transition in a way that's that does not push the previous generation out. But um, also, I guess, I, I don't know. I, pressures, pressures a lot. Um, and so I try to relieve the pressure by, by bringing more people in with me, right? It's kind of like if, if we were to put uh, a nail into a piece of wood, the pressure, it could be extremely harsh on one spot. Yes. But right, if we have like a bed of nails or whatever, then we could <laughs> lean on each other and then um, really tackle it together. I think you're, I think the, the difference between passing up the torch and being included in the process, it was a very good distinction. And I think you're totally right. I think, I think it's not just a, it's definitely not only a JA thing, but I think generationally there's a, there's gatekeepers of, of the people who helped build something and who, yeah, power is a gross word. I don't want to call it power, <laughs> no. but who, um, you know, they've been more established. There is definitely a seniority within that. And I, 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 I mean, I just work at LTSC, you know, I, I, I went to... Not just work, you work at LTSC. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I'm not even, I'm not an Eric, I'm not a Margaret, I'm not one of, I'm not one of them, but it's like, as a member of that team, it's like, oh, I want to make sure in my, in however I can, that we're part of the continuation of rather than what happens when, when this, this people with seniority are gone. Right. Um, I think the inclusion in the process is a really good, a really good way of putting that. Um, but, you know, with that, you know, unfortunately you did say, you know, it's not going to be here. Little Tokyo, Little Tokyo will not be here forever, but... You mentioned the 
being competitive and just not letting it roll over and letting it happen. But how do you stay positive that, you know, for the foreseeable future at least, Little Tokyo will, will be here? Uh, I see there's a lot of, like, you know, with the, with the sadness of businesses closing or, or in people not coming as often, I do see a lot of new people. Um, which I think is so wonderful. You know, I think people should, and it's not just Little Tokyo specific. I think LA is littered with so many great communities. It's like finding an entryway into community, spending time there, making friends. Um, and, and in Little Tokyo sense, there's so many entry points. And with that, it makes me feel very hopeful. Um, whether it be with activism work, whether it be just going out to the bar, whether it be playing table tennis. I think there's, there's so many wonderful ways for people to you know, start and, and uh, grow a relationship with the community. And that makes me feel very hopeful. Um, and also just people having fun, uh, being imaginative, uh, you know, there's an activist uh, who stressed the importance of imagination as as the way in, as the way to the revolution, right? Because we need to reimagine things. Because it's clear that whatever is happening now isn't entirely working. Um, and with imagination, it requires creativity people to free themselves of like judgment and pressure um yeah so i think i think little tokyo has there's historically and currently there there's so many great examples of that so um and there are people just right around the horizon who don't know yet that they may you know start that relationship with the community and yeah yeah you know i think like ja culture or cultures of different api different api culture is so in but people are coming to little tokyo but they might not know the history behind a kuraku or a suahiros like they might not know how much history is behind one restaurant or one business or the other and like, it's not about necessarily picking one or the other, but it's about, you know, the appreciation and therefore the interest of these businesses. And I think that's something that I, whenever I have a friend come to Little Tokyo, like, oh, like, did you know, like, okay, this is Mike Morase told me this, so I, I don't quote me, but no. apparently Mike told me that Kodaku is the first ramen shop in North America. Right. Yeah. Which is like... Yeah, which is wild. So it's like, yeah. if you know, if that's knowledge that you have, it's like, right. oh, I want to check that out. Right. And then yeah. if you know about, like, um, Aze. <laughs> I was going to try to name one more sitting right here. Right. If you know about Aze, just outside of the village, mm-hmm. it's like, you should check that out too. It's like, right. I think there are so many entry points, but it's a kind of knowing the history behind it mm-hmm. is a huge benefit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the depth, right? I think for... In the culinary sense, it's like the food may look good, it may taste good, 
I don't know if it's if it's like a culturally appropriate, but when you know when they say this like umami word, uh-huh. I think of I think of not that, but I think of that death. Like, does it make you feel good? Not just like with your case buds, but like, does it make you feel good that you're in a place that is resisting against the gentrification that's happening in Little Tokyo, or does it? Um, does, yeah, does that death provide? Or it like, you know, going to a place like Horaku or Suhiro or or any of the legacy business here, it's it is it is that depth that I think a lot of places don't have. Um, so, and it's only it's like it's only attainable or understood when when it's communicated or when there's that connection. Otherwise, they're just here for the gram and like. In a capitalist sense, like that's fine, but work, but little Tokyo and the communities, there's just so much stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna bleep myself in post. Okay, <laughs> it's kind of like you could go to a right, or you right. could go to a Japangelist. Right, right. No, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's, it's a no-brainer for us, yeah. you know. Um, but other people, it's like, I mean, like me, I thought I totally thought was like Japanese or J.O.N. and I'm like it's a fraud it's a fraud yeah (laughs) like this doesn't feel good you know I think there's um yeah sorry bring in another like Jota Shinshu term or like element they talk about was it was it Nirvana it's it's this it's the feeling when you drink or you get in a hot bath right or it's the feeling when you drink a cold beer or cold soda on like a hot day like that I feel like is a feeling you have when you would go to a lot of these um, places with that death yeah totally yeah Uh, small anecdote but my first day working at Little Tokyo Service Center Margaret Shimada took me to Suahiro that was my first time there and like that level of whenever I would revisit that comfort level that almost relief and kind of like the pride in being able to show it off to the next person I bring was like such a cultural sense of pride that like I couldn't replicate by going you know elsewhere it's just like the experience not only the food but it's the experience and the the history of it so yeah that the idea of the the cold beer or the warm bath that totally that I get that yeah yeah it's, it's that bond um that goes generations deep without even us knowing it. I think there's like, yeah, I mean it's it it is the interconnectedness and um, I guess that like ancestral history that that exists right on that sidewalk in which people will be like that sidewalk's dirty and loud, <laughs> but you're like that sidewalk has been here yeah. since like the first J person came to the like, yeah. like whatever yeah even before then yeah yeah um, I I do want to wrap up on sort of a fun note but before then is there anything else that I didn't get to touch on anything else you'd like to say before I ask you some silly quick questions oh okay oh so this was the not fun part well that was fun too <laughs> we're gonna, and right. then we're gonna go just to some just some fun stuff about yeah, you yeah. quick quick hitters like oh yeah. uh nothing fun or exciting <laughs> just 
don't know. I think there's, yeah, the community has so much to offer, you know. Um, just come out and, and make it a day, have fun. There's so many great people. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. No, you could literally go until like oh gosh, yeah, three a.m. here, yeah, with businesses open. So yeah. it's like you could literally make yeah. a full day out of it. Yeah, nonstop activities, yeah. book talks, uh, workshops. Um, there's just so much going on with within this small, small community, and and also to encourage people to to like, if you ever want to do anything, let it take you. There is a space for you, you know, like, um, and just have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Just a few yes. quick questions for silliness. The, the whole interview was fun. For the fans. Yes, for the fans. <laughs> yeah. For the one thing. <laughs> um, no, more than one. <laughs> um, like two. But if you could invite three people to dinner, mm -hmm. dead or alive, who would they be? Ooh. Uh... Shoot, that's hard. I don't even know. I mean, I, it used to be five people, but right. that was way too hard for people, so I Dang. dwindled it down to three. Yeah, yeah. Five is, is expensive, too. <laughs> so we can only afford three. Okay. Um, maybe I'm one of them. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think one person that I feel like that I really admired when I was younger was Magic Johnson. Mm. To be a fierce competitor, but to be like... Um, to be so charismatic, to to go through ex his experience with HIV mm -hmm. in the nineties uh, as a black man playing basketball is insane. Yeah, and um, yeah, and to be so generous on the court, <laughs> and to be a six nine point guard. I mean, <laughs> way before his time at that time too. Right, not today. <laughs> right. Probably can't shoot a single three pointer, so I don't know. I mean, then we just have Ben Simmons, right? Who's, who's yeah, who's so great, but also complicated. Um, but I mean, Magic would be one of them. I think I, I don't have specifics, but another person would probably be a family member that I've never met before. Um, yeah, and maybe a family member in the future would oh. be really fun as well. Very cool. Yeah. Um, That's fun. Yeah. Magic Johnson could just be at the family reunion. <laughs> yeah. We're just there because we're Laker fans. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, all right, yeah. And if they're not a Laker fan, they're not. Yeah. Anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Other than Aze, yeah. do you currently have another favorite restaurant in Little Tokyo? It doesn't have to be your all-time list. Like right. I don't want anyone to be offended, but like at the yeah. moment, oof, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, diplomatically, I can't pick one. Okay, uh, but I will say that it's not a little Tokyo. Is that okay? Yeah, I'll give an answer. Um, I have a fondness for Tomi San and Heights. Okay, um, because it was a place I spent my Saturdays, mm. and I feel like. It is a place that is locked in time, uh, and and Little Tokyo used used to have so many of them, and mm -hmm. I mean, Sohiro was very much one of them as well. 
Um, but I mean, I yeah, you know, I love a matcha saucer at Tea Master. Mm. Uh, Aloha Cafe is wonderful. Um, also, those private caterings are so great. Mm. Inside their space, what a great way to use their space. Um, and a friend of mine does uh, coffee pop-ups out of there, which is really cool. Um, you know, Korafu, Naman Chahan combinations are great. So you are we naming everything? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to name them. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mitsudu Grills, uh, hamburger, <laughs> you want something different. Um, but yeah, there's just so many. You can't go wrong. No, far bars, means wings, mm. or if you want to, yeah. If you want to attend a political thing, it's like far bars that place, I guess. Huh. Or like meet a political candidate. I saw an email that they, there will be one. Um, yeah, there's just so many options, yeah. so much variety. If you want spicy Jamaican food, a beautiful life's great. Is it? I great. walk by it all the time. Yeah. Okay. It's very good, yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's so wonderful and so important that there be a Black-owned business mm. in Lotokia, especially because you know, a lot of Jays like to make, uh, celebrate Bronzeville mm. and, you know, I think there's there's so many layers of different uh, cultures, histories that's not just Japanese, Japanese mm-hmm. American, Yeah, yeah. Like I learned, Little Manila was a wild part, wild. But, um, but yeah, I think I think even a testament to that is Aze being Japanese French fusion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, it doesn't have to be so um, boxed in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. It's a welcoming of cultures in Little Tokyo. I think yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah, it's it's the goal for here is to, in the culinary sense, it's the cuisine will be of the diaspora because mm-hmm. it's messy, mm-hmm. it's complicated. There's beauty, but there's also tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also what it means to be human. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you already named a bunch of wonderful ways that people can support Little Tokyo, but how can people support Aze? Hours of operation, oh, yeah, favorite dish, anything. How, yeah. how can people support? Um, yeah, you know, throwing us a review. Not only us, but in many other places. Yeah. Throwing us a review remotely, sharing stories, liking photos, um, coming to say hi, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't, there doesn't have to be a monetary transaction. Um, yeah, and, and to support Little Tokyo means to support us mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, it's where it's a friend of mine's like, you need to post more photos of food, your restaurant. But I'm like, yeah, but. I feel like there's so much more to us than just what's on the plate. Um, we are made of, of the people that work here, but also support us. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, support us, Little Tokyo, in the community that's closest to you, your mm-hmm. favorite restaurant. I don't know. Uh, leave a, a, a review of this podcast on Spotify, <laughs> Apple, Apple, Apple Podcasts, all yes. those, right? Yes. Right? Um, hitting that like button or sharing it, like everything. Yeah. 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 
Cool. Yeah. Well, Philip, I appreciate it. Uh, Aze should be next on people's uh, to-go list if they haven't been yet. And yeah, I look forward to, to seeing what happens with Onzen. Not, no promises on dates or anything, yeah. but I look forward to seeing hopefully the growth in the right direction of Little Tokyo as a whole. But yeah, thank you for your time. No, thank you for, for having me and, and doing this. Yeah. You know, what, what a wonderful opportunity to, thank you. to talk about community, mental health, identity, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Oh. All right, you are off the hook. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Hope it was okay. It was great. I, I gave you a lot of work to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to Philip for being on the podcast to discuss, you know, growing up in Little Tokyo, being a business owner in Little Tokyo, all the changes that are happening, and discussing the ups and downs that come with everything that him and his family do for the community. So if you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our show for episodes that release every other Tuesday and give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. If you would like to support our podcast and help us grow, you can do so with a donation to the link at the bottom of the episode description. To hear more about Changing Tides, follow us on Instagram at LTSC underscore Changing Tides or check out our website, thechangingtides.org. Let's continue to change the tide on mental health. We got